0: This is Your Path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. Forget what you think you know about church.
1: Lord be with you. with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Then he called the crowd to him and said to them, "Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but is what comes out of the mouth that defiles." Then the disciples approached him and said to him, "Do you know that the Pharisees took offence when they when they heard what you said?" He answered, "Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be will be uprooted. Let them alone." They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, "Explain this parable to us." Then he said, "Are you also still without without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and then goes into the sewer, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. From out of the heart comes evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, Theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that uh, region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The true gospel of the Lord. Praise the Lord, the word, the light. Okay, be seated, please. I say good afternoon to you. Good
0: afternoon.
1: <laughs> great is your faith. How would you feel if I, as your pastor, were to tell someone that about you? I'm guessing that you'd you think uh, you must be doing something right. And to be honest, I've been around you folks long enough now to be able to say that uh, say that about quite a few of you. We may be small, but our congregation is blessed to have a few people with a great faith. But what makes our faith great. This afternoon Jesus encounters a woman whom he says has a great faith. Let's look at her faith and find out what exactly made it so great. The first thing we learn about this woman is that she is a Canaanite, meaning that she's from outside of Israel. Jesus is in the region of Tyre and Sidon, north of Israel. Now the people he's coming into contact here are Gentiles, pagans, people who are outside of the covenant of Israel. Now, while Jesus and the disciples are traveling, they come across this woman who comes up to him and says, "Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon." Now, what makes this cry for help important is what this woman calls Jesus. "Son of David" is a messianic phrase reserved for the descendant of David who would be the promised Messiah. So, it's clear that this woman, even though she is not a Jew, has come has some knowledge of the Jewish region, a uh, religion and knew that there was a promised Messiah from David's line. We can also believe that she has heard about what Jesus has been doing. The word he proclaimed, the signs that he performed, and from here knowledge of the prophecies of the Messiah was able to put two and two together and realize that Jesus was the long-promised Messiah. She knew that Jesus had power, had the power to help her. So, being the good mother that she was, not wanting her daughter to suffer She saw Jesus, came up to him, cried out, and asked him to have mercy on her. Now, that's quite a statement of faith in and of itself, but there's more to it. At first, Jesus doesn't answer her. Not only that, but the disciples also beg Jesus to send her away because she is crying out after us. Perhaps they thought she's not part of the club, doesn't meet the criteria for admission to see Jesus. Especially considering her behavior here. Now, in Jesus' time, women didn't go running after rabbis or teachers and cry out after them like this woman is doing with Jesus. It was viewed as shameful, yet she doesn't care what others think of her. She knows that Jesus can help, and she's going to do whatever it takes, because Jesus is the only one who can help. Now, Jesus' response is a bit puzzling at first. He, He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. It seems as if he's now giving her the brush off, but... We have, no, we have to remember the focus of Jesus' ministry was to fulfill the covenant that God had made with the people of Israel in the Old Testament. They were the people of the covenant. God had a responsibility to fulfill that, and Jesus was the fulfillment of it. That was his primary purpose. Now, I'm sure the disciples know, uh, knew that and viewed Jesus as an exclusive Messiah, so, so to speak. However, what often gets lost is that in the prophecies about the Messiah, Yes, the Jews are included, but that all nations would be drawn to this Messiah. Jesus wasn't an exclusive Savior. He was for all. Now, this woman must have known that as well. Why else would she come to Jesus, call him son of David, and ask him to have mercy on her? In fact, instead of losing heart at Jesus' reply and going back home empty-handed and disappointed, she says, point-blank, Lord, help me. A pretty direct request. She's really humbling herself now. Jesus' response is, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Oh, great. Now it seems that Jesus is calling her a dog. I know of no one who would want to be equated to a dog, let alone by Jesus, where you pretty much begged him for help. But we see how deep this woman's faith really is. She's not leaving. In fact, she responds, yes, Lord. Yet, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I found this part of our reading to be pretty revealing. You see, Jesus got into several debates in his ministry with some, some folks who were considered to be the religious elite of the day, people like the Pharisees. They knew their scriptures inside and out, and when Jesus would debate with them, they'd come out on the losing end. They couldn't counter his arguments in the end, and you never heard Jesus say, great is your faith to a Pharisee. Yet here, this woman has a response for Jesus' argument. She says, yes, Lord, Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She knows her place. She knows that she's not part of the covenant with Israel. She's content being the dog that gets the gracious crumbs. When you think about this, it's quite clear that Jesus wants to see how deep this woman's faith really is. When she responds in faith to Jesus' statement, he knows she really believes that he is the promised Messiah, the savior of the nations. That prompts him to say, great, Is your faith. Now, some this afternoon who would preach on this text would put the focus on the healing. They say that if you believe enough in Jesus, then he will do whatever you want him to do. That goes along the lines of prosperity theology, but the healing is not the focus of the story here. The focus is on the faith of the woman, how she got that faith, and how she displayed it. Now remember last Sunday in our reading from Romans chapter 10, St. Paul wrote that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God of Christ. And, and here we have an example of it. This woman had heard the word about Christ. The word created faith in her heart and she believed that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. It's the same with you and me. This afternoon you have heard the word proclaimed to you through the gospel reading and you understand that Jesus is the Christ. That true faith is in Christ alone for our salvation. So, now that we've gone over the Gospel reading for today, let me ask you, how great is your faith? Does your faith compare to this Canaanite woman? Would you be willing to suffer ridicule, embarrass yourself, do whatever it takes to be in the presence of Jesus like she did? We are so blessed to live in a country where we're free to come to church every Sunday without obstacles or people threatening our lives, yet... Statistically speaking, nearly two-thirds of the people who are on our membership rolls do not attend church each Sunday. And being such a small congregation, that's a significant amount of people. Some of you haven't been very regular in being here this summer either. It begs us to ponder the question, why? What's wrong with our faith that we don't want to be in the presence of Christ each Sunday? If Jesus provides forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation through his word, and this is the place where his word comes to us through preaching and the sacrament, then why would we want to be anywhere else on Sunday afternoon? What's more important than the gifts that Christ gives us in this place? Here we also learn that the real object of faith is, uh, what the real object of faith is. Too many times in today's world, Christianity is treated as a how-to religion. You can go to churches and hear sermons with topics like how to be a better spouse, how to raise perfect children, 10 easy steps to building relationships with others, 15 steps to living your best life now, and so on and so forth. What is the object of that kind of faith? While these messages may seem more practical, they are messages that can, are they messages that can save. Now look back at this Canaanite woman. Did she, on her own, have the power to heal her daughter of demon possession? No. Not one of those practical messages would do her a bit of good. In the same way, we can't fix our main problem. Our main problem is simply the fact that we all have a sin problem. We have our sinful natures, and ever since the fall into sin, things in this world don't work the way they are supposed to. For this little girl in our reading, she was severely oppressed by a demon. For others, bones get brittle and broken. Organs shut down. Tumors grow in places they aren't supposed to. We get sick. And it's not because of any specific sin. That's just life in a sinful, fallen world. While God gives us medicine and other things to help us cope with these issues, it only prolongs the inevitable that someday we must face death. I know of no one who can, in the end, get around that. And I have yet to find a preacher who can give you a 10-step sermon on avoiding death. But the good news in our gospel reading is that this woman found healing for her daughter in Jesus. The woman didn't believe in her own strength. She didn't think that if I believe hard enough, then Jesus has to heal my daughter. She simply believed that Jesus had the power to heal. The object of her faith was Jesus. Faith in herself or anyone else wasn't going to help her one bit. Likewise, when our faith is Christ-centered, when everything we say... Everything we do in this place points us to the cross. We ensure that our faith is in proper perspective. This afternoon we confess that we are sinful in thought, word, and deed. We, like the Canaanite woman, must ask for Christ to have mercy on us because we know that Christ can save us from sin and death and the power of the devil. Jesus took care of our sin problem for us when he went to the cross, died for the sins of the world, and rose again to defeat the power that sin, death, and the devil had on our lives. And now, he gives that forgiveness, life, and salvation to us freely. He gives it right here, in this place, where we hear his word proclaimed. You come up to the altar and hear him say, Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. Given and shed for you, for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Jesus doesn't leave the job half done. He doesn't just forgive the little sins and leave you to suffer for the really big ones. He forgives you for all of your sins, every single one of them. Even the sin of thinking we are better than others, or thinking that our church is some country club that only those who fit a certain description can have access to. And how do we learn what Jesus has done for us? Through his word. Remember, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of Christ. You're only going to hear it by staying in the Word. Great faith stays that way by staying in the Word of God. That means we have a desire to be here on Sunday afternoon to hear that Word proclaimed to us in worship. We want to study our Bible in, in uh, during the week. For those of you who have children, you want them to have that great faith so you enroll them in Sunday school and get them in the habit of being here for worship also. And I'm going to challenge you parents of sunday school age children to show them how important a great faith is and great faith in christ is by not just dropping them off for sunday school and picking them up or that church is something you do on sunday morning when you don't have anything else going on but by bringing your children to church on a weekly basis you will instill in them the, the realization that there is nothing more important in life than a great faith in christ great is your faith. Jesus said to the Canaanite woman in our gospel reading today, she didn't let anything get in the way of being in the presence of Christ. She knew that Jesus was the promised Savior, the promised Messiah. For you, the saints entrusted to my care at Dallas Universal Life Church, it is my prayer that all we say and do in this place keeps us centered on Jesus Christ, the true object of our faith, so that When our lives are complete jesus will indeed look at you and say great is your faith may god grant may god grant that faith that faith to you through his word in jesus name amen it is time for everybody's favorite part of the service that's right the announcements you didn't come today yeah yeah all right let's go with this here we go pray at dallasfielce.com pray at dallasfielce.com that is an email address if you have a request for prayer that's where you're going to send those requests for prayers pray at dallasfielce.com or you can go to dallasfielce.com and click on uh the prayer button there uh, prayer request button and that's just as easy either email or going through the prayer request we pray every day here at dallas leaders Life church uh when you when you uh, write into us you can decide to stay anonymous or you can give us your name and you can ask that your prayers be said during your daily prayers or during be said during our prayers on sunday here with the rest of the congregation that's pray at com or com, and click on the prayer request button compliments concerns suggestions complaints if you have one of those, you're going to need one of these folks. It's an email address, feedback at dallasfuelc.com. It's another email address, feedback at dallasfuelc.com. Or you can also go to dallasfuelc.com and click on contact us and fill out the form there. It's a little bit easier if you want to do it that way. Very simple. If you have one of those, we want to hear about it because we want to take care of it. We want to make sure we hear what's going on and we want to, you know, we love the, compl- we love the, the suggestions, but we'll take care of all of it. the complaints, the concerns, the compliments. We love all of it. We, that way we can just improve as we go along. So please, feedback at dallasfuelc.com or dallasfuelc.com and click on contact us. You know, you can make a difference. We are an all-volunteer church. None of us here take a salary, not even myself. Uh, Everybody here is a volunteer. Um, And the only way we make it is through the tithing of our community and through donations from people out in Podcastville and YouTube land and out in the world. Um, And at this time of the service, I always have to ask, you know, we need some money because that's my job. And I'm not very good at it. And this is the worst. The worst thing that I can do about my job is it's so hard for me to do, and I'm not very good at it. But I have to do it every week, and so I do. In um, order to really keep our doors open, we have to have uh, donations. We have to have ties. We have to have people that are that, that believe in what we're trying to get out there—that this true message, the actual, real meaning of Christianity, what it really means—the the idea of a God that's all loving, all forgiving, and all accepting. A God, a God that 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 all paths lead to. Um, and if you believe in that and you're out there in YouTube land or Podcastville or out there in the world, we could use your help. And we ask that you send your donations to dallasfuelc.com and click on the button for donate. Uh, all of your donations are tax deductible. We are a 501c3 tax-exempt organization. Um, just as a little perk there. And uh, anything you can send. Nothing is too small. We, we would we really appreciate uh, any kind of help we get from, from the world uh, to help us continue getting our message out there. Now. I always get, you know, Bishop, I love your church and and I really want to help out, but guess what? I'm broke. I don't have any money. When I look at the person, I say, you know, I'm broke too. I don't have any money either. So you can just do what I do. Do what we all do. You volunteer and your time is your money. Um, You can make a difference that way as well. To Simply to do that, you just go to DallasFields.com, click on the button for volunteer. There you'll find a list of the positions we have available for volunteers. If you don't see something you like there, that's okay. Come on in anyway. I guarantee I will find something for you to do and I guarantee there's enough work for you to do. There's never enough hours in the day for us to finish everything. There's always something that's left undone, and we could always use more help. So please, DallasFieldSea.com, click on volunteer, or just simply come and see me. I promise I'll put you to work. All right. Did you know we had two podcasts? We have two podcasts. I can't believe it myself. Now, the first podcast everybody knows about is Your Path with Bishop Mark. That's been going on for about six years now. Um, that is our, our weekly sermons, our weekly gospels, and our roundtables uh, broadcast for everybody to see and hear. Um, and that's going pretty well. I'm really happy with that. If you want to go check that out, uh, go to, uh, uh, simply go to your favorite search provider and type in your path of Mark and you'll find us out there. Or if you look at the back of your program for those of you who are here, there's a list of uh, some of the, uh, the providers we have on the back of the program here. If you want to go listen to our podcast. Or if you have Alexa, like we do here at the, at the church, uh, we call it Echo up here. We say Echo, play your path. And he'll play your path, OK? Echo, stop. Echo, stop. Thank you. You would say, uh, anybody who had Alexa would say, Alexa, play your path. And it would play anywhere in the world. like, play, play your path. It's going to play your path with Bishop Mark, OK? Now, the second podcast we have is Life Lessons with Bishop Mark. And that's what I call our TikTok of podcasts, because they're only about three to five minutes long. They're very short, very easy. If you've got a, small attention, a short attention span, this one's for you. And it's exactly what it says it is, Life Lessons with Bishop Mark. Um, to find that one, you do the same thing. You just go to your favorite uh, search provider, type in Life Lessons with Vision Mark, or you can look on the back of our pages here, and you can find uh, one of the surf, really you have podcast providers out there and uh, listen to it there. It's really, I, mean, I enjoy the, the Life Lessons one. It's kind of fun. It's our newest one, and uh, it's getting some good reviews. I, I'm, I think I'm uh, uh, enjoying reading some of the people are writing about it. So please check that out if you can. And at the end of our podcast, folks, there is a spot where you can leave us comments. Please do so. I see the people are watching it. I see y'all are reading it. I see you're doing what you're doing. Say something. Let us know if you like it. If you hate it, tell us know you hate it. I, I can't change anything unless you tell me. All right. All right. Moving on. Okay. Here it is again. Don, you with me? Mm-hmm. Most important thing right here. November the fourth is how many days away from today? 76. How many? Seventy-six. 76. I got it. Okay. Seventy-six days. So it's our ninth year in a row. Ninth year walking in the walk to Alzheimer's. Um, as many of you know, I lost my grandmother uh, a few years back to Alzheimer's after a very long battle. Don lost his mother to Alzheimer's as well, and so we walked to find a cure. Not only that, William and I are uh, on the planning committee for Alzheimer's Association for the walk, um, and we all every year volunteer, uh, usually at the booth, and we give we uh, give away the flowers that everybody carries around, uh, which is a, a lot of fun. I, I enjoy doing that. I think we it's a great great service. <laughs> it's cold as hell when we get there in the mornings, but. We get there like four thirty in the morning on on, on November, and uh, at a City Hall. But you know what? It's a lot of fun, and, and we enjoy it, and we enjoy doing it. So, and I, and I appreciate you all doing it. Now, look, but I'm going to tell you again: it's great that we can volunteer and do all this and bring awareness to the to the cause. I appreciate that immensely. But the whole idea behind this is we got to raise some money. I need you to be out there talking to people. Say, hey, look, my church is walking in the Walking Into Alzheimer's. I guarantee you, everybody you talk to has had Alzheimer's touch them in some way or another. They have. Ask them to sponsor you. Ask them a dollar, five dollars, you know, whatever. Um, they will. And, and if you just ask, people will sponsor you. I and mean, that's what we gotta do. We gotta, we gotta, you'll know, make me look bad. If I'm if I'm on a, on, a, on the uh, planning committee and I don't have any money from my 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 group here, you'll know, make me look bad. So you've got to help me out here, okay? All right, now if you want to join us at the Walking Into Alzheimer's, you can go to that website right there, act.alz.org. slash go to slash D U L C. Or simply much easier go to dallasfieldc.com and click on the walk to end alzheimer's button okay also if you want to donate to the team or to in, in any one of the individuals on the team you can also go to dallasfieldc.com and click on walk to end alzheimer's and then you can donate there as well okay mm-hmm. all right all right There's that guess what you made it through the announcements mm-hmm. i yeah. just rise for a dismissal please Along?
0: This is Your Path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. Forget what you think you know about church.
1: Okay, so now we start off with the round table every week, is what did you like, what did you not like, what do you want to keep, and what do you want to get rid of? What I mean by that is, we are not a stagnant church, we're not a typical church. We want our, we want input from people out there who are experiencing our church. So what I say what do you like what do you not like I mean what do you like what do you not like what do you want to keep what you want to get rid of I mean it too if you have one of those things if you're any time when we're talking here um, roundtable is we'll talk about our sermon we'll talk about the gospel we'll talk about any of the other readings and get through anything about your Christianity you want to talk about anything about your faith you want to talk about anything you like your life you need to talk about with us we can talk here um, the cameras that are here um, are here they do broadcast They do broadcast out to the world if you feel that the conversation that we're having is being a little too serious, a little too personal, those cameras can go off in a on you can say so. Um, it's not a problem. The uh, focus is on us here. Uh, I'd like to share it with the world just so they can you know, learn some things hopefully from us, but when it comes down to that, that's that's y'all's decision, okay? All right. So I try and shut up during this time and let y'all talk. I did all that talking earlier, but I never do a very good job of it, so we're going to try. All right. So today we had t- we talked about what? We talked about faith. Talk about the great is your faith. I have that tattoo on my wrist right there. Do you? Yeah. Why did you have that tattoo there? Uh, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. I was just going to put out the faith. I already, but because I start to understand,
0: like, the meaning of salvation and, and faith and, and um, how to
1: sacrifice for us, it, it, it was just a little bit, a little bit more. Okay. That's interesting. I didn't mean, you have that there. it's crazy, right? You know what? It, nothing, nothing happens in this world without a reason behind it. There's no coincidence. So you be here tonight, with your day, and have that on uh, permanent tattooed on your body is is uh, it's interesting because I do have trust issues. You what now? I have trust issues. Okay. Uh, not necessarily per se with God, just people are not in general. Okay. But um, and, and what do you think you today? Bring that up today. You have trust issues how do you think do you think anything today that we talked about today anything that we talked about in the sermon talked about in the gospel can help you maybe work with them a little bit? if if the apostle if the total apostle couldn't have enough faith to to
0: um, follow Jesus when he's there and tangible and, and witnessing all these miracles firsthand you know what I'm saying um, I don't think it would be too hard for me to have the faith and God for and salvation and to how
1: about this Canaanite this Canaanite woman she's not even a Jew you know, Jesus was there for the Jews, and then, honestly, He was there too, as, you know, come to fulfill the comfort of the Jews. Right? She's not even a Jew, but she had faith in Him that, that He could heal her daughter. That's that blind faith. That's where you have to kind of go, look. He's here for all of us. That's why I say when I, when I talk about all passing to God. That's one of the things I mean. You know, God didn't create His children here to say to just because they don't say a few words like you know, you're all going to hell. He didn't do that. Um, and I think if you live, live a righteous life and, and have faith in God, it, you've got a place uh, in the afterlife. And I believe that. Well, I what what is a, a faithful life? Because what is a faithful life? If you,
0: if you have to, I mean. I think it's very no, very open. Is it? get right. None, none of us, like if you if I if I sit back and I think about the, all the stuff I've done in the past, let's say week. Okay. The way I've treated people, you know, um disrespectful or just anything among uh, among them lines, you know, uh, uh you know, that's uh that's just a lot of forgiving, you know, uh that he has to right. come come to
1: with and so we know the difference between right and wrong. I mean, I'll tell you straight up. You know the difference between right and wrong. You do. And if you don't, God's put a little something in us to help us remind us of something that's we did if we did something wrong. It's called Guilt—it's that little, that little thing in your stomach that starts turning when you like know that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? So here's what I say about that: it all comes down to repentance. It all comes down to what you're feeling. We're going to sin. We're sinners, period. We know that we're going to sin. Does it have? We have to sin? No, but we're going to because we're human, and God knows that He created us in that way. If you go to Walmart and you go through Walmart and you see the hub of bubble gum with the bubble gum on the shelf and you want that bubble gum and you take it and you put it in the pocket and you walk out with it okay? and you get out on the street and you walk through that bubble gum oh that's good bubble gum, yeah? but oh, you're man, why did I do that? why did I stay? I feel horrible about it I shouldn't have done that, I should have stole that bubble gum but you go again the next day and you do it again and you go the next day after that and you do it again you do it again, you do it again, do it again. it's not saying that God's not going to forgive you for that but first you have to repent And repentance is not just saying, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that's some of the most, people that say I'm sorry is one of those empty words people have said in this world. I love you and I'm sorry. Those two two phrases are said all the time and there's nothing behind it, okay? Saying it is one thing. If we come out here, we talk about action. You put your money where your mouth is, you put your your, uh, actions are are much more, much more, uh, much much more than your words, right? Okay, so, I'm sorry is great, it's a good start. But you have to know that you did wrong, feel bad about it, and try not to do it again. Some say we won't fail. But if you're going blatantly and stealing the them every day, you're not trying. You don't care. Okay? You're just going and doing what you want to do and ignoring everything else. You know that it's between right and wrong. Like I say, if you don't know, God puts that little guilt in your belly and says, hey. It's, it's pretty simple. I mean, it's, it's one of the hardest things to do. You're, you're, to live that kind of life and here's the other thing that's going to make it really interesting for you we have these commandments and we have the 10 commandments all these rules and regulations we're supposed to follow right how we're supposed to live our life that's, that's how we follow our life that's what we're supposed to do right it all comes down to one thing those commandments those rules all are thing up to one, one, one law one thing the, thing that, the, the only commandment that Jesus Christ himself gave us and these are all these commands these things we're supposed to learn are, are meant to teach us how to do this one thing and that one thing is to love one another as he has loved us period if you can love one another the way that jesus christ loved all of us then you're going to be doing all those commandments you're doing all this supposed to be done you're not doing wrong you are you're living that righteous life you understand what i'm saying so all these commandments all these rules are out of here they put those there so that we have stepping stones so we can learn how to love others right that's all it comes down to though it's the most simple thing in the world if you love one another as I say, as he has loved you then you're doing right you're doing great you're doing what you're supposed to be doing but it's also the hardest thing in the world because that means everybody not just, everybody. Not just these people here not just the brothers you know what you're what you every love everybody and there's a lot of people in this world who are not real loving people honestly uh, not to judge them it's not my place but to say it's hard I mean, it's hard to, to love some people. People do us wrong. People do other people wrong. People do some heinous things in this world. And, but we have to love them. Because Christ did. And Christ lived for the sinners. He was here for us. He, he didn't go hang out with the Pharisees and the, and the king and the, and the lofty people. But you know, and He was a king. He is a king. But he, and he stood down to our level. He teach us how to be saved. How to live. How to love one another. That's how you live a righteous life. The Jews took the Ten Commandments and made 634 laws out of it. Try to simplify them by making 634 laws out of the Ten Commandments, okay? Fantastic. But impossible to achieve for anybody. And they knew that. Jesus comes along and says, Just love one another the way I love you. I love you. No matter what you do, no matter what you do, I love you. It doesn't mean that. I'm not gonna be angry with you. It doesn't mean I'm not gonna you're not gonna get punished for the things you do if you do them wrong. But if you repent, if you do something you're sorry, truly sorry, you know you're the only person that knows if you're truly sorry or not. If you're truly sorry and you try not to do it again, you know that it's wrong, and you try not to do it again, what did he ask for? That's how you live that life. I've also talked about I wanted to change the name of the church to something like, you know, agape or Jesus' love or something like that it's so cheesy it sounds so so semi so hideous but you know what it's exactly what it is because if we all could just learn that that one little commandment love one another the way I love you everything Everything falls into place place. everything falls into place Everything's beautiful because the things we do to people disrespect the, the things we do to people the things we do to ourselves that's not love it's not, it's not out of love. It's out of things like greed and jealousy and envy. One of the biggest kind of things we talk about is, is to not co- cover your neighbor's wife. You cover your neighbor's wife, one of, the, one of the commandments, right? And that goes along, just, it's not just about your wife, their wife. It's saying, look, mind your own business. You don't need to be looking at your neighbor's life. You don't need to be looking over the fence. You need to worry about your own life and take care of your own business. That's what it means? So, if you're loving everybody, if you're loving everyone, you're not looking over. You're loving them, but you're not looking over and being jealous or being envious of what they have and what you should have and what they how they got it. And it doesn't matter. Worry about yourself.
0: I need to start doing that more than sometimes I catch myself uh, being envious or whatever.
1: It's, it's very easy to do. We are human. God knows we're human. He knows that. we made us imperfect. But you know, that's the first step is seeing it and understanding that this is, well, this is a problem I have, you know, and I have to deal with that. And it's, it's, I'm going to do it again. I know I'm going to feel that way again. If those feelings come up. They do. I mean, you can't really do anything about that. I'm a very jealous person. And I can't help it when I get jealous. It just it comes up. And I get jealous. I get mad. I get jealous. I have to learn to deal with that and go. Look, there's better ways around this. Let's let try and work through it and talk about it. And make sure that I'm, you know. And then that's the only way you, you, know, you can do. Same thing with being envious. It's very easy to to look at what other people have and want it, and it's very easy to try and find ways to get it. That's easier than they got it. But you know that you're right and wrong, you know that's right, what's right and what's wrong about that. And anything you get that you didn't have to work for, that you put a blood sweat into, it's not going to be any near what it means to those people that worked for it. Because you don't the to value. it. If I just give you a state dinner tonight, filet mignon, baked potato, loaded up salad, anything you want, all the fix it, right. And it's, you know, two or fifty, three hundred dollars a person is what it cost me to make it, right? You don't get that, you don't understand that because you didn't have to earn the money to buy that food to make it, right? So you, you're very nice and you're grateful for it, and you are, but you don't have the same value on it that you would put on it because I know what it took to get that three hundred dollars per person to serve that food, right? It says uh, something worth having. There's a collegiate, some good collegiate, as it were. Absolutely. And that, you know, there's these little phrases we have in the world, all these little sayings, little things. And the reason we have those little sayings that go on and on and on for generations and generations is because they're true. That's one of them. And the funny thing about that is most of them are uh, are rooted in biblical texts. They're kind of simplified, usually, but rooted there in the texts. A proverb. Mm-hmm. The Bible is a wonderful book it's a wonderful study guide you have to remember though his god you just completely um, divinely inspired god blew his breath into that bible but since that time a lot of hands have touched that bible a lot of hands have changed that bible a lot of hands have done things that bible that they shouldn't have done either by mistake by accident or on purpose so you have to take with a grain of salt you have to look at that bible and go you hey, look here's here's what we got right and it doesn't make sense. If, if what you're reading isn't making sense to what you, what you've read with the rest of the Bible, I mean, again, you know there's something right and wrong. It's not that difficult. If you see something that goes, that, doesn't, that just doesn't fit. Something's wrong here. And it probably doesn't fit. And you have to take things out of the Bible with a grain of salt. Um, any Christian church would be cringing right now to be saying that because they believe that every, these people that are literalists, they believe that every word in the Bible is, is true. That every word in the Bible actually happened. Look. It's great to think that. The Bible is full of parables. It's full of stories. They've been passed down from generations to generations. That's how he did things. That's how he taught people through his lessons. We know that the universe wasn't created in seven days. We know that. God showed us that. He gave us proof of that, right? We also have proof of things like evolution, where we see that there wasn't Adam and Eve necessarily place here and we evolved and we came from that right? we evolved from other animals we became we you know improved our we improved as people and became people you know starting out as something and microorganisms and moving up moving up mm-hmm. and moving up and again we have proof of that we have we have the, the, the progression through the, the millennia of, of how we become human beings that we are today and at the end of the day we still are evolving you know I I have a friend. A friend of mine who was she was a teacher uh, at a public school I know of, and she she was born without any molars, any molars. And she has just plain like teeth you have in the front and here all the way of that because we don't use those anymore. Those molars were there for chewing grain and and, and and things like that. We don't need that anymore. So the body, the the mind, the, the DNA in our in our in our, in our bodies starts to realize that and it starts to evolve. We don't need to make these big molars anymore when we're not using them, right? That's one of the things that just pretty interesting to see. That it's so, the, the, the evolution is so slow, it's so minute every time it happens, that you don't see it unless you can step back a few million years like we have with, with evolution and look at the different, how it's moved up. We won't see in our life, you can't really tell you know, in your own lifetime. But we are evolving. We are evolving. So, the literalists that believe that the Bible is every every single word of the Bible is true, is, is, is an actual story, has actually happened. Well, look, that's, that's fine. You believe that? Yeah, that's great. Does it really matter if if there the, Moses and the and the floods and, the, and 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 they really were people? Does it really matter? No, because the, they're there for a reason. The, the stories are in that book for a reason. They're there to teach you a lesson. And you can learn lesson whether they were real or not. So the story didn't happen necessarily to be real, and it makes it a little more easy for some people like this. There's only one story in that Bible that I, that I know that I need to have true that really happened, and that's the story of the birth, and life, and the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which I know happened because there's actually proof of all of that outside of the Bible. I throw that at you now because you're coming to church. I'm glad you're coming to church. I'm grateful that you're coming. But I want you to see where I'm coming from and why we're a little bit different. Why we don't just fall into the mold and say, behold well, because they said so, it's true. We I mean, use our brains that God gave us to think about things, to make our own decisions, to make our own uh, interpretations of what we, need, what we understand. And if you don't understand it, if you don't get it, put the book down. Go talk to God. He'll talk to you if you just talk to him. I mean. You really think that God would have put us on this earth not to be able to communicate back with him and communicate with us? I mean, come on. He can just throw a book at us and say, here, there you go, there's the rules. Just talk to him. I call it, I call it a, a study guide, that's what I call it. It's a great study God. But it's not perfect. It is imperfect. It's not. It's not every word in it is not true. Every word in it is not exact. My dad always used to come to the Bible to, for basic instructions before we went there. And that's good. And that's a good way to look at it. It's, it's based, and like I say, take it with a grain of salt. Like I said, if you come across something, it's not that you disagree with it, because there's going to be things you disagree with in faith that you don't want to have to do, right? But if it's something that just seems out of order, just doesn't fit with what's going on, it's like somebody said something to you, what is that? And all of a sudden you put this, this verse in here that's just out it, of just out there. Read into it, you know? research it. If you're not, not going to find it. You've got lots been hidden. Um, but, again, if you don't get the answers you want that way, let's talk to God. Prayer is not a monologue. It's not just you talking. Prayer is a conversation. You and God. Don't pray like you always have. Do what you've got to do. Say what you got to say. Confess your sins. Ask what you've got to ask for. And then shut up and listen that's and if you do that, you practice that, I guarantee you, do it 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day, put yourself somewhere where you can do that. Practice shutting up, and listening, and centering yourself, and getting all that crap out of your mind for a second, just letting these just go away for a second, so you open yourself up to listening. I guarantee you'll have when that happens, it happens, you will change your life. Is that what you mean? It will change your life. Yeah. When, when I. <laughs> First time that, that God spoke to me, and I heard—it's not here. I didn't hear it here. It was here. I heard that. Tell me that. 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 that you're doing this. You know, you need to go do this. It changed my life. <laughs> it made me realize. Yeah, I've got free will. I can still get away from this. I can still do what I want to do. But why would I? When He loves me and He's pointing me in the right direction, why the hell would I go the other way? What do you think? uh, Have any of it? uh, What do you think of what I'm saying? uh, You think I'm crazy? Did I say that? No, I'm just asking. Some people do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that uh, whatever you feel in your own own being in your own soul as like you know, and what you experience, um, it, it affects who you are. Absolutely. Right. And so, what you experience, what that feeling was, mm-hmm. could be different from oh, what, be. what anybody else is experiencing. and how it impacts them is as based off of just like whatever
1: they, you know. They've been. Our relationship with God is going to be individual. It's going to be different. Just like a relationship with anybody else, you know, I can have a relationship with you. He has a relationship with you, and we're totally different. I mean, we have a different kind of repertoire than you have with him, necessarily, right? You no, know, we do different things together. We, you know, it's just you have different ways of of interacting, and that's going to be the same way with God. You're not going to interact the same way as everybody else does. It's, you're very true, um, and you're going to find that people. That's what's so good about having a round table or having a church like this where we can sit and talk about those things. Is you can take the experiences of some of the other people there and maybe learn from them and maybe get something from it, catch something, something real just put it away back in the back of your mind and maybe use it later in life um, that's one of the ways that, that, that being in church that having the fellowship we have here can strengthen us because by ourselves I guarantee you by yourself you cannot do this you cannot do this earth you cannot do this life by yourself when the, the hurricanes of life come when the earthquakes hit our world. I mean, tornadoes come and ravage us. If you're standing there by yourself, you're going to sink. You're going to get sucked into the air. You're going to fall. But if you put the strength in numbers of your family, I say your family, I mean your family, your true family, or your family, you church, or your friends outside of church, your family, that's what we call it, family. If you put that strength, in, put all of your strength together during those storms, and you make it. And you pull through you pick up the pieces and you start again together, and you're stronger for it. That's what life's about. It's deep stuff. It's very simple. I can, I can say it in a few words. Very simple. Love each other the way lie, lie. I love you. For what Jesus Christ said. Very simple. But to actually do it, they're actually emotion. Think about this. In a world where I have several of, of, of my confidence who come in and for counseling and whatnot who are, who are homeless and live a lifestyle that's maybe different than what I live. I mean, I've been homeless myself and I know what it's like. Um, but they have, there's a, a certain etiquette on the street. That maybe you don't have it anywhere else, right? So when somebody disrespects you on the street, your street cred is is, at, at, is vulnerable at that point. In other words, they could be, they can talk about you now. If you don't do something about it and, and, and set up your name, you're going to be, they're going to talk, your, your street cred's going to go down. They're going to go, right? Now how does that come into our Christianity, our faith? Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ were there, he would not avenge anyone and you're just you're just hurting you more something I believe in this world in this universe that everything is equal and always will be there's a cause and effect for everything when you have a supernova and things die something is born from that when you have love you have hate when you can't appreciate love without hate when you have joy you have pain and appreciate one without the other. That okay? all of you that balances out, equals out in this world. The thing I talk about the most though, is that little word called karma, which is a word that a lot of people like to use, karma, or fate, or whatever it is, you know. That that thing that, that happens that you screw up, I guarantee you, I don't have to give revenge against you, because the universe will get the revenge on you. What are we going to call it? The universe, revenge, uh, karma, God. It's coming. Now, you and I may not see, if, if, I, if I want to get that revenge you, I may not see that happen. I may not see that person hurt because of what they did to me, or have to pay back because of what they did to me. I may not see that. Probably I won't. That's the hardest part. So we want to see that revenge. We want to see that person suffer what they did to us, right? It's not what it's about. You have to have no faith to go look. Yeah, you did me wrong. The first thing I have to do is have to forgive. Because if I don't, I'm going to keep that shit inside my belly. It's going to sit here and it's going boil it over. What is that doing to them? Nothing. Not a damn thing. It's hurting you. You. It's killing you is what it's doing, holding
0: on to that crap. So the first thing you have to do is forgive. You have to. I used to be so angry uh, whenever I was whenever I was living with my aunt and stuff, I'd be I was angry at my mom and dad for losing us to the state. Yeah. And uh That's tough. It, it took me a minute to actually like let it go, but whenever I found out like how to actually like truly and like, not just say you forgive me, but like right. actually do it. You know, Yeah. I felt a lot better. Uh it's been a, it was like a different weight it
1: was lifted my, off my chest and we we'll tell you something I, I believe wholeheartedly that we hold on to that bullshit in our lives and we keep that stuff stuff down inside us you know the stuff that's just in there it begins to fester i you don't know you what know, festering means it turns into pus and it's the infection and i believe that things like leukemia and cancers and heart problems and those disorders that people get these Horrible illnesses that come up that we don't know about and why we're getting them, there's why you're getting them. You're allowing that poison to stay inside you, that hate to stay inside you, that, that anger. And it sort of spread through your body, and it's turned into nothing but killed you. And to have that anger against somebody, to, to want revenge on somebody, let me tell you what the Dalai Lama says about that. To want revenge on somebody is like, like uh taking a cyanide pill and hoping that the other person dies. Because that's what you're doing. You can, yeah, you can get revenge on them, but that just continues to hurt you because you're still holding on to that hate. It's amazing that you were able, that that's a tough one to move on from. So, when you, I, I mean, I've seen a, a lot of families go through a lot of strife. That's a tough one to lose their, their kids like that. And I don't, I don't know your relationship with your parents at all. I can say I hope that, that they um, had some regret about it and maybe... Have hopefully they rekindled the relationship with you at some point. I hope, yeah. and and the forgiveness is so important. And that's they ought to be very grateful that you were able to do that, and you should as well too. You should too, because you know you going to get one mother, and one father in this world. Absolutely,
0: that's what that's what I think too. You know, because uh, I don't know. I feel like a complete prick if I was if like my dad was to pass, and you know, I've heard I've have spoken to some people that you know their last words to their people were you know. F, oh yeah. A whole bunch of other stuff, and that's I just didn't want to
1: feel that side of it. So, I mean, the tomorrow isn't promised. And the next minute isn't promised. To any of us. Any of us. And COVID kind of taught us a lot about that. I mean, I, a good friend of mine lived up the street. In his thirties, much younger than I am. He finally find him dead in his apartment from COVID. Been there three days, just sitting there. God, alone, horrible, you don't know what tomorrow brings, so live your life now as if it were your last. And I don't mean go out and have a good time and party and do all that, I mean, when you talk to people, remember that it could be the last time you speak to them, don't sit there and dwell on that, I don't mean that, I mean, just get in the habit of being, of truly saying what you want to say, not necessarily what anger or emotions tempt you to say. We all get angry. We all say things. If you do that, you need to as quickly as possible turn around and say, look, I'm doing mean that. I'm sorry. You know, I'm saying, it's hard to say it. It's hard. You, 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 like I said, you had know, that street creative, you look at like yourself and you say stuff like that. Right? Look at where you want to look. They can, they can judge you over there. It's not their place to judge you. There's only one thing that's going to judge you, and that's God. So I am try and live by his law more than street law. Bring are to anybody that. And it's hard. It's very hard when you're out there and you've got to live in that society, you've got to live in that world, and you've got to deal with that. It's hard. Nobody said life was easy. We talked about a lot. we got to lie out there today. Anything else, guys? Anything more for me? Think about what we talked about today. I think, I think if you'll come up with some stuff as you leave this week and think about life and how you're living your life and things like that, We'll start kind of just thinking about what we're talking about next week. And if you have questions, then you put them in the back of your mind. Write them down if you have to. In the next round table, we have a sit and talk about it. It really does. I, I, I love hearing about your lives. I love hearing about your stories and, and how you're living your life and how some kind of challenges you're having and working through them. But that's, that's 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 awesome for me. That's that's, a, that's what I'm here for. So. All right. Let's circle up and pray our way out of here and call it a day. Love that. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege of being able to come together and worship you as we so rightfully stood here on this Sunday. Um, Lord, please watch over us this week. Um, Help us to have that faith as that pain that woman had to follow in Christ's footsteps, to do what is right because we do know the difference between right and wrong. Watch over us, watch over our families, and Lord, please watch over all who are out in the. Excessive heat uh, that we're experiencing here. Those who are homeless, those who have no place to go, those without air conditioning, please keep an eye on them. Watch over them and keep them safe. we guys, going this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Bye, mm-hmm. right, guys. Let's break it down. Um you don't break down, all All right.